All right, let me start off with a story. The story goes like this. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my professional clients. So they are a, um, I think they're a financial advisor or something, something, something like that. Um, they, their job involves going around and meeting people, giving them sort of financial services advice or something along those lines. And what they were really struggling with was the idea that they were, well, a couple of things. First of all, the idea that they didn't seem like they were improving fast enough. So this person has now been working for two years. They're just at the end of their second year of working. And they're, f- they're feeling like they're really, really behind on competency related um, relative to all the other people that they're surrounded with. Now, there's a few areas that are a little bit confounding in this story. So first of all, this person, let's just call them, uh, let's just call them Grace, okay? Just for example's sake. Their name's not actually Grace, but Grace, um, she works in a small financial firm and uh, there are not a lot of new graduates working there. So she's one of the, I think only there's only one other person that's around her stage and they're also more senior than her as well. So she's comparing herself based on kind of what she hears through conversations with her friends from uni, as well as comparing herself against from just the people that are around her, who she understands are a lot more experienced and therefore a lot more senior. But she's finding it hard to sort of calibrate how good she should be. But she does feel that she's just not good enough at her job. And another aspect is that she doesn't feel like she really sort of, in a way, um, expects that she would be good because she barely finished her degree in uni. You know, she barely studied. She didn't really know anything. She spent a lot of time just, you know, like socializing and whatever and doing stuff at uni. She passed and she got her degree, but she's now feeling like maybe she should have paid a little bit more attention at uni because she's feeling a little bit content-wise, information, knowledge-wise, not so competent. So what is Grace meant to do in this situation? What's the problem that Grace actually faces here? In fact, there is a specific problem that Grace has that is going to really probably make it so that she really struggles to improve from this point. And it may even lead to a situation where she just perpetually doesn't improve, really affects her mental health, will really affect her emotional health and just cause her to burn out, which is not what we want for Grace, okay? And this is a fundamental issue that I see from with students that I work with as young as you know 14 years old, which I expect them to have this issue uh, because they're young. Uh, And also with professionals that I work with that are 40s and in their 50s, and they still haven't quite worked this out. And there are a lot of issues that arise as a result of it. And the problem that we're talking about today is the idea of what you're measuring and how that determines how good you're going to become. All right, so roll that intro music. So, welcome to episode four of Bigger Play, the podcast where we talk about efficiency. I'm your host, Justin Sung. I used to be a doctor. I'm now a social entrepreneur, educating, performance, learning, efficiency coach type person. 
And the situation with grace is something that I have encountered really a lot of times, especially with my students, a little bit less so with my older professionals, but definitely very, very, very common with my students that are in sort of late high school, early university. Uh, and again, it sort of has a resurgence in new grads that I find, which is the case with grace. So measuring progress and how that influences uh how good you're going to become. So here's the thing, right? Okay, let's just start off with some facts. Lay, lay down some facts. The first thing is that I want you to just anchor yourself as a point of reference to your ultimate goal right now, okay? Well, or the, the nearest to an ultimate goal that you can kind of like put yourself to. And I'm not talking about like my ultimate goal is to have like a happy, fulfilling life. I, I mean actual, like more specific kind of concrete goal. Like you want to be a really good um, like I don't know, cardiologist in the future, or you want to just be really good at your studies, or you, you know, just, just something that you feel is tangible and specific that you feel is challenging. That's the goal that you're kind of working towards. All this hustle is dedicated towards you trying to achieve that goal. Okay, think about that. Keep that in your mind. Now, the next thing that I want you to think about is what it would take to actually get there. What are the steps along the way that have to be reached? So break it down into yearly steps and then break that down into monthly. And then think about at the end of every month, how would you know whether you are closer to that goal or not? How would you know whether you're closer to that goal or not? And you might have a few goals. You might say, I want to be a really amazing, you know, whatever, like uh, I want to be a super awesome like museum curator one day. Uh, but I also want to have a lifestyle where I'm always prioritizing friends and family over work. Okay, that might be your like two really important goals. So how would you know at the end of every month whether you are getting to that point? The answer is that you probably, it would be very difficult to actually. It's really difficult to know exactly what the requirements are on just small scale to reach that goal. And because it's difficult to track yourself that way, we end up tracking ourselves with bigger goals. So, okay, before becoming a museum curator, I need to be, a, I don't even know what the step before that is, to be honest, I picked a bad example, but let's say like you need to be work at the museum or something like that, okay? So you need to get this whatever lucrative job at a lucrative um, exclusive museum first. And that's the first step that you need to reach, okay? And then before that, uh, it's a little bit gray what you need to achieve. So, okay, so you don't know on a monthly basis, but, you know, sort of five years from now, you need to be in a certain position, okay? And that's what you're going to measure yourself based on. Why is that dangerous? And why does that cause problems? Because the decisions that you make in terms of how you're going to improve the behaviors that might be holding you back, the behaviors that might be doing well for you, these will be blind to you in the, the you know short term. You wouldn't know whether you're moving towards your goal or not because you don't actually know what's necessary to get there. You'd compare yourself to a version of yourself that's far removed from where you are now, which means that the way you compare yourself is going to be very different. So let's say, for example, let's take studying. You know, we are, We've all been students or you are students as you're listening to this now. Let's say that you want to do a really competitive degree. And in order to get that competitive degree, you need to get A pluses. You need to be, let's say, top 1% of the academic cohort to get there. Okay, top 1%. That sounds pretty tricky, okay? Sounds pretty tough. So you'd focus on getting to that top 1%. How do you actually get there? How do you actually get to the top 
What's the thing that makes a difference between someone at the top 1%? For the top 1% person, what do they actually look like? And what would you need to do on a monthly basis to get there? See, if you didn't know that, you might just have this vague idea of top 1% and realize that takes hard work. I know that much. So you've got something to focus on. And then you just drive in on that and you work hard and you work hard and you sacrifice everything. You do all the things. You're a good boy. You're working very hard. And then at the end of all of that, what's the result? Well, you either did it or you, you didn't. Okay, you either succeeded or you failed. So it's pretty high risk there. What if the thing that you were missing was some other component that wasn't hard work, which it, you know there probably is another component other than just hard work. You will have sacrificed all of that and missed that entire opportunity. You don't get a redo. You can't control Z you know, like 100 times to get all the way back to a year ago where you actually had the ability to make a difference. You would simply rely on a small amount of information, a tiny keyhole insight into where you want to get to. And based on that keyhole image, without exploring, for, exploring further, you would commit yourself down a certain road. And then maybe later you'll look back and realize, man, I was pretty dumb. I should have really done things very differently. So it's very, very difficult to know all the steps required to get you to where you need to go from a purely objective outcomes point of view which is why there's actually no point measuring things this way which is why to begin with you should actually think about the type of person that would be able to achieve this easily what is the type of person that would be able to get that lucrative job what's the type of person that would be able to get that exclusive internship what's the type of person that gets offered this type of new grad position what's the type of person that succeeds in a certain way and gets a certain grade what type of person is that characterize that person for you who would find it easy to do that let's use studying as an example again what's the type of person that would find it easy to get really consistently good grades Probably someone that's got good balance. They get good sleep. They're really efficient. They are probably pretty social. They know how to use their time effectively, work hard, play hard sort of thing. Okay, so th these are the attributes. And that's really uh, across the board for, you know, any anyone that's trying to be successful at anything. You know, you're going to work and maybe you're thinking, man, how do, how do I become someone that's better at my job? Well, what type of person is that? What type of person does that look like? And the efforts that you're doing is that the type of effort that that person would be doing? It might not be. And you might be thinking, okay, well, this is just temporary. This is just now. This is just right now. Okay, well, so then when is, it, when is the change going to happen? Like, what, what's the reason why it can't be right now? Like, in fact, if it's difficult for you to do that right now, isn't that the most important time to actually do it? Because that's the, the type of challenge that this type of person would deal with in a certain way. Do you only want to be your ideal type of person in the easiest possible situation? And then when things are tough, you just revert back. That type of person is probably not going to last very long, right? You want to be the ideal type of person in the challenging situations, right? Otherwise, it's not really who you are. So think about that person and then work your way back towards what are the skills and then how would you develop those skills? And then you can, in that way, if you're thinking about the skills and the type of person that you would need to become, you can actually start creating those metrics a little bit more effectively. So sure, maybe you need to be someone that's a lot more balanced. Okay, you understand that this is a person who maintains mental optimum and efficiency. They prioritize that rather than just funneling and hard work endlessly. So what type of person is, uh, is that going to be from, compared to where you are one month from now? What would you have achieved in order to do that? And then you can create some metrics to measure yourself by. 
right? And now this is safe. You can do that. You can think, okay, I need to be more balanced. How do I do that? Well, like my sleep is terrible for starters. Uh, but, but the reason my sleep is terrible is because I'm always staying up late because I never finish my work. And the reason that I'm not finishing my work is because I'm always so so overworked at work and I'm never leaving on time and I'm just dead tired by the time I get home. Okay, well, the next step, well, the first step then is, okay, can I reduce the amount of work that I do somehow? Can I reprioritize my time, use it slightly differently so I free up a little bit more time? Can I, uh, you know, get more stuff finished at work? If the answer to all of those things is no, I, I can't really not do any of those things anymore. Well, then I would say to you, are you sure about that? Have you actually measured it? So what I often find is that when I ask the question to people, is there a time in your day that you can use more effectively to give yourself more free time at the end of the day so that you can get to sleep on time? They'll usually say, no, 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 I can't. Like I, I'm already trying my best. And then I'll get them to do a log. I'll get them to actually track their time that they spend every single day. Nine out of 10 times, they will have gaps in their tracking. And those gaps in tracking are usually decisional delays. So these are the times where you're thinking, what should I do? And then you think about what you should do next for like two minutes, two, three minutes. It doesn't seem like a long time. But if you're making those decisional delays, you know, 10, 20 times a day, then actually that's an entire task and activity that you could do. That's another 20 to 40 minutes a day that's purely being used on just thinking about what to do next and deciding on things. And that's something that I often find is that um, there will be this kind of really long thought process of, oh, what's the perfect way to do this? And then that actually creates so much delay that it actually takes out an entire chunk of time throughout that day when actually what needs to be done is made, you know, decisions being made a little bit faster. So if that's what we discover after measuring this, after we track our time, we find that there's decisional delays or you're spending a lot longer on a certain thing that you thought or you actually spend a lot of time in public transport and you're like, hmm, I could be using that public transport time to do something. Well, now we've measured something that's important and we can use this data to guide us on our next step. We can say, okay, look, we have measured something that's important and so now we know how we can use our time and so now we can create a plan to optimize the use of that time a little bit better, right? So the things that we measured actually opened up the opportunity for us to start creating solutions around it. And then the next thing is that we test that hypothesis. We try a plan and then we measure the success of that plan. And then maybe that plan goes well, maybe it doesn't go well, but either way we're measuring it and we're experimenting and we're figuring it out and we're actually getting better at it. And then so at the end of that, we can slowly start building ourselves towards the person that we need to be. So maybe the first step is, okay, first of all, I've measured myself. Now what I need to do is try to use that time. I've got an idea about how I'm going to use that time, how I'm going to become more decisive. So the me one month from now, I want to be someone who cuts down that decisional delay by 50%. I want to be able to make decisions 50% faster. And I've got an idea about how I'm going to do that. And maybe you read an article about that. Maybe you read you know, talk to some friends, maybe you, I don't know, watch other videos that I have on, you know, related topics. You had an idea and you tested it. At the end of that month, you look, okay, was I able to succeed in doing that? Yes or no? And if yes, congratulations, you just freed it up. Okay, what's the next step? Okay, a month from now, now that I'm making decisions better and I've freed up that time, I want to now use that time. I want to use that time a bit more productively by putting in some of my miscellaneous admin tasks, checking emails, things that normally take a long time of my day. I'm going to start doing those in those gaps so that by the end of the day, I don't even have to think about them. 
And maybe even the, not even the time, but the mental burden of having to do that at the end of the day is gone. And, and that alone allows you to just be a little bit more at peace and manage your time more effectively. So that's the next thing that you test. And then you check that at the end of the month, were you able to do that? And so the months would go by. And at the end of this, you know, a year later, you have become a person that can manage time more effectively, do all these things. And you have the skills required to help you achieve your goal much more productively and much more safely. Now, the thing is, most people don't take their personal development this seriously. They see it as a hassle. Well, look, if you see it as a hassle and you're happy to live your life the way that time and your situation dictates you need to live it, then go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. Just live your life the way that it's dictated for you. But if you want to actually be more in control of your life, then like a lot of these things, there isn't really an alternative option. The alternative option is that you sort of just give up. And if you're happy with giving up, then that's fine as well, right? That's your life. But if you don't want to give up, then the alternative is that you have to work on it. And the first step towards doing that is creating these metrics that actually measure things that allow you to create solutions and plans and test things, right? You want the ability to experiment. You, you, you're not going to be able to improve without the experimentation. And for experimentation, you need a hypothesis that you're testing. And to have a hypothesis, you need data. And to experiment, you need data. And so you need to actually measure the things that actually matter. Bringing it back to studying, I find this really, really commonly with a lot of students that are doing so much studying. They spend so much damn time studying. Literally, like they spend their entire life just reading and writing things out repetitively. Is that what you want? Was that your goal? To study 10 hours a day? Was that your goal? Okay, great, you study 10 hours a day, so what? It's, that's, not the, that's not your goal. Your goal is to get good grades, right? You don't even care how you get good grades, okay? As long as it's you know, fair and ethical enough. You, you just want the grades. You want the knowledge and you want the grades to prove it. So as long as you can achieve that, who cares how you're studying? And the problem here is that people are measuring themselves based on the number of lectures they have covered in one hour, the number of pages they've flicked, the number of notes they've written, how pretty their notes look, all these really arbitrary things. Like, I hate this whole, like, study gram thing. It's like, oh, great, you've got pretty notes, except for the fact that I could outstudy you, like, 10 to 1. So what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that the measurement is being done on these things that ultimately doesn't make any difference. In fact, it actually makes it worse by glorifying and romanticizing these things. So many students have this like this sense of pride of being able to study like a huge amount of time. Well, I take a sense of pride in being able to study virtually no time and still do better than them. That's my sense of pride. And it's the same for, you know, like re replace studying with anything else. Is that There's a sense of pride in just being someone that tries very hard. Okay, well, good on you. Clap, clap for your, you know, effort award. Right, You get a participation prize at the end of this. So if you'd rather actually be the person that you know, gets the result, then start measuring the thing that matters. Don't measure how long you study for. Measure the amount of learning that you've had at the end of it. After five hours, what's your percentage of retention? And how are your techniques modified and emphasized to create maximum retention? Okay, How are you using your time? And break out of that fixed idea of this is how it has to be. Well, oh, I can't learn everything on the first time. Really? Are you sure? Well, I can't possibly get more work done at work. Are you sure about that? Or are you fixed in thinking that it must be the way that it is because that's simply what you're used to and what you know about? Do you think everyone in the world is like that? Is there anyone in the world who could do it differently? And if the answer is yes, then you could too. 
The decision is about whether or not you embrace that and then apply it for yourself. And that's really a completely different discussion to have. So what's my point? My point is sit down, create your, you know, think about your goal and work backwards. What are the skills required to get that goal? Do a bit of research on those skills maybe. Make sure the skills are correct and accurate. And then work your way back and start creating monthly goals. The things that you're going to measure and experiment on on a monthly basis. What's the hypothesis you're testing? How are you testing that? This will guide your learning in terms of what you should learn. right? Otherwise, you're just going to be learning omnidirectionally, and that's not very effective. right? Vector addition is what you need. So what you need is that idea of this is a hypothesis that I'm testing that I think is going to get me where I need to go because it fulfills a skill that I've derived down to a monthly level and broken it down. And then you test that, you collect that data, and then you improve. And over time, you consistently get these safe results. It's actually very logical if you really think about it, right? And stop measuring these things that don't work and stop being so stubborn and closed-minded and narrow about the way that you're used to doing things that you stop yourself from actually opening up to the opportunity of other ways. When I tell students that I can help them study four to eight times faster, they don't even believe me. Yet it's completely doable, and I do it consistently. So a lot of the time, people think there's no way I can manage my time faster or more efficiently. There's no way I can manage my stress more efficiently. And it's like, well, okay, fine. If you think that, then sure, there never is. But as soon as you start opening up to the idea that maybe there is a better way to do things, then you often realize, actually, you know what? There's actually a lot of better ways to do it as long as you're open to that, all right? And I guess that's why openness as one of the big five personality traits, which you can look up if you want, is one of the most important traits relevant for personal growth and success and development. So that is, uh, that's another ingredient uh, and a component that you need in uh, your recipe for building yourself that bigger plate is have that openness and then start using a skills-based metric that you're experimenting on actively to get to where you need to go and stop measuring the things that are actually holding you back that mean absolutely nothing, all right? You're not a politician. You have no one else to trick other than yourself. That's this episode. And uh, stay efficient, and I'll see you next time.